I've been told in almost every training I've ever done around a few different practices that my worth is intrinsically linked to my rates. So if my rates are really high, it means that I value myself and my work. If my rates are lower or not meeting the like industry standard, then I clearly don't. I, I feel like less angry about that than I when I first encountered it, but I'm like, no, like I actually like I actually do the, know the value of my work. That's why I want it to be accessible. People with power have used it violently against others throughout history. We are being reminded of this right here and right now. And before I get into today's episode, I want to make sure that my position and the position of my company is clear. We condemn police brutality and state-sponsored violence. We believe Black lives matter. People took the lives of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many others unjustly. To our Black listeners, I want to acknowledge your cumulative pain and thank you for the superhuman ways that you continue to show up. To all of the Indigenous people and people of color who listen, I want to acknowledge your cumulative pain as well. Thank you for continuing the work. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works. This show is all about learning what's working to run and grow a small business today. However, the question that feels most urgent right now is what works to end this violence, to end our systems of oppression, to end the continual trauma perpetuated against Black people and people of color? The answer is that I don't know. I'm listening to the people who are working toward these ends, though, so that I can do better work myself. But I do know that just as power can be used for harm and violence, it can be used to make new culture. It can be used to set new standards. It can be used to create new systems that take the sanctity of all lives and the dignity of all work into account. And I know that business owners have power. We have the power to do things differently. We have the power to question how business has always been done. We have the power to question the leaders who encourage us to exploit others and ourselves in the name of success. This month on What Works, we're talking about money. Money is a tool for creating change, and it represents a cog in the system that has been used to exclude, exploit, and dehumanize people for a very long time. When we start to question our assumptions about money and its role in our business, we start to undo that system little by little. Today, my guest is Jennifer Patterson. Jennifer is a grief and trauma worker and the founder of Corpus Ritual. Jennifer operates a significant portion of her business on a sliding scale pricing system. She does this for all the reasons I just outlined. She sees pricing as a way to work towards economic justice and make valuable services available to everyone, especially people from marginalized communities that need it most. We'll get into exactly how this works in just a minute. But first, I wanted to share that money is not the only way we can create change through our businesses. White supremacy and systems of oppression are at work in the default ways we operate throughout our businesses, marketing, sales, management, hiring, communication, and more. One resource that I've been sharing a lot over the last few months is an article titled White Supremacy Culture Characteristics by Tema Oaken and Kenneth Jones. It is an incredibly clear outline of how we hurt each other through the things that just seem so normal, things like perfectionism, urgency, either-or thinking, and fear of conflict. 
Without intentionally making choices that reverse these cultural characteristics in our businesses, we're likely to perpetuate the systems of harm. If you're a white business owner like me, I invite you to take the next step beyond speaking up, donating, and educating yourself to start dismantling the ways white supremacy culture characteristics are built into how you do business, just like I am. Search white supremacy culture characteristics to find the article or grab the link in our show notes. I also recommend taking a listen to the opt-in with Aurora and Kelly. The interview they did with Dr. Amanda Kemp gets into how white supremacy culture plays out in the workplace. Now, on to my conversation with Jennifer Patterson. Jennifer and I talk about how she made the decision to operate a large portion of her business on a sliding scale, the role educating her clients plays in making her pricing system work, why she doesn't believe in charging what you're worth, and how she manages the money coming in and out of her business. Finally, this episode was recorded recently, but it was recorded before the murder of George Floyd and the protests in response. It's very relevant to how we can take action as business owners, but doesn't address this crisis specifically. Let's find out what works for Jennifer Patterson. Jennifer Patterson, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. All right. So let's just start things off nice and easy. Can you tell us about the work that you do and the people that you work with? Yeah, for sure. So I have um, I have a healing practice called Corpus Ritual. Uh, I'm an herbalist. I'm a breathwork facilitator and a writer. I often do somatic writing workshops. And um, the bulk of my practice is done on a sliding scale. So I you know, when I work privately with clients, when I do one-on-one sessions with clients, either with um, herb consultations or breathwork sessions, um, there's a pay scale. So people pick the level that works for them and, and their their lives and their income levels. And um, then I have other parts of my business that are a bit more of a set model. So I have an herbal remedy line um, that's set. And when I do, usually when I do, well, everything's changed a bit due to COVID lately, but when I do in-person workshops, usually they're just a flat rate too. So I kind of try to balance um, different different levels of access for people to work with me. That's fantastic. And that's yeah. exactly what you're here for. We're going to talk all <laughs> about sliding scale today. I am yeah. so thrilled. And I know that our listeners are going to be thrilled too. But before we get into that, I'm curious, since you do have the mix of sliding mm-hmm. scale and some set rate stuff, some set price stuff, um, percentage wise, uh, is it even that, you know, 50% mm. sliding scale, 50% set rate? Wh- how does your income kind of break down? It's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure, honestly. Okay. I think, um, you know, it's, and we can talk about what this a bit more too. I think because I'm often like working in a few different directions while I kind of track everything, I'm not super, like I haven't broken it down in that way, but I would say, you know, I like to think it's kind of like 50-50, you know? Yeah, you know. Okay, cool. And what about time-wise? Do you Mm. spend more time working on the sliding scale stuff or even with that? Um. I would say, I would say that's also fairly even. So when I do, you know, it's interesting to talk about things now because I feel like things have radically shifted for so many of us in different ways. And so when I was 
working in New York City in person in Brooklyn with people, um, you know, one or two days a week, I would do one on one private sessions, which are on a scale. And then I usually would have like one breathwork group a week. And then the herb works just kind of ongoing because that's, mm-hmm. you know, filling orders and working with clients that want to do like a deeper dive into certain, certain needs. And then, um, yeah, having some wholesale accounts that I had. So I was, you know, like bottling a lot of, a lot of remedies too, to host like smaller, smaller businesses and healing centers. So yeah. Okay. Got it. Got Pretty it. Got much. it. Awesome. Perfect. So let's dive into the sliding scale yeah. of things. You know, I think so many people are thinking about now, especially, but you know, all the time, how do I make my work more accessible? How do I price things fairly for people? And there are lots of questions and very few answers, although one of the answers that often comes up is sliding scale. So what informed your decision to incorporate sliding scale pricing into your business in such a big way? Yeah, I mean, I came to it from a really personal place, because, um, you know, I'm a survivor of all kinds of violence and I'm a queer person and I often was someone who struggled to afford the healing care that I needed. And, you know, I was, I was kind of surrounded by different practitioners and different therapists sharing that like they had life changing things to offer people who needed support, but I often felt like I couldn't afford the life change. So, um, you know, I, my, my longer trajectory was that I started doing work about, I guess, 11 years ago, doing anti-violence work as a community organizer and um, a rape crisis counselor in an emergency room, like on call periodically. And so, you know, I moved from that world being a survivor. I was like, oh, actually, I need to go do some healing work for myself. And I also I think I want to be like, I want to be in the shit with people, you know, like I want to be in the process of healing. And um, so I started moving towards that just working with herbs for myself. And then um, a few years later, finding breath work, needing it again for myself. And you know, again, what I often my experience was that many people that I worked with um, for my own healing worked on a sliding scale. Those were the people that I felt like I had access to. And and being a person who's, you know, outside of mainstream culture in some ways and being in a marginalized community as a queer person and a survivor, um, those are the people I gravitated towards because I wanted to work with people that shared some of my experiences and also like shared some of my political view on on healing work and and who has access to it. So I just knew that for me, like if I didn't have the people that I worked with, like I wouldn't be in a position that I'm in currently. And so I also came into this work really wanting to like cultivate that in my own practice. And like also like I work with a lot of queer and trans folks and folks of color and disabled folks and survivors and people that often feel like feel excluded and actually are excluded from mainstream healing spaces. And so it's important to me that I'm able to, yeah, create a space that can hold more of us, hopefully. I love that. Um, So you mentioned that kind of offering sliding scale was really natural to you because a lot of the practitioners you worked with had that sliding scale piece too. Um, And that kind of leads me beautifully into the next 
question, Mm -hmm. which is that you have provided so much structure and information and guidance on how to choose uh, Mm -hmm. the right thing to pay you. Um, Because, (laughs) and I I really want to dig into this because I think so many people are like, yeah, sliding scale, that seems like the right answer. And then it's like, okay, but how do you do that? Like that brings up so many more questions. So how did you choose or how did you create the guidelines, the structure that you use to help people choose what to pay for the work that they're engaging with you on? Yeah, I mean, my like general way of being in the world is when I want to do something, I just like research the shit out of it. So (laughs) I was like, who's doing this? Like, how are they doing it? And the great thing is that like, you know, a lot of my coming up in this work was through like radical and politicized queer and trans and like social justice spaces. So I already had a lens around Mm -hmm. um, wanting to do the work in this way. And like people in my community were already doing it. I have a very close friend named Elizabeth Bishop, who um, cones Brooklyn Open Acupuncture, which is an acupuncture sliding scale clinic in Brooklyn. And, you know, one of the things that they did that I felt was really important to bring into my own practice is that, you know, I think that there there is a lot of concern for practitioners wanting to make sure that people are being honest about mm-hmm. what they can afford. And I'm going to come I'll come back to that. But like this one specific instance, you know, I think that is really important is that I decided I didn't want like I don't want people to have to prove to me um, Mm -hmm. why they're choosing the level that they're paying. And for me, that means like it's like this radical faith and trust that I'm trying to cultivate in like a healing space where like we we're collaborators and like I trust the people that I work with. Um, I want them to choose what works for them. And I think, you know, there are a lot of things to consider, though, you know, and I think for those of us that maybe haven't been around more equitable pricing or sliding scale pricing, like, things change all the time. Like, this is a great moment. Like, so many people have lost their jobs. So many people have been able to get unemployment, but then so many people haven't been able to. And so there's like a real, you know, the the divide between um, access and like, and equity has always been there. It's just really magnified right now. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm seeing a lot more sliding scale happening. And I'm seeing a lot more people offering like donation work. And it's really beautiful. And it's it's exciting. But it's also like we've needed it for so long, you know, and we've needed, <laughs> we've needed more equitable care, especially in like wellness worlds, which is like a trillion dollar industry. Um, and, you know, I think there's some things that I did take into consideration, you know, like I work in New York City. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started working as an herbalist, I had less expenses. Um, you know, I didn't need a space right away to work out of. So I wasn't trying to like cover rent, which, you know, in New York City is very, very high. And um, even when I moved into breathwork, I was really lucky because I had a dear friend that offered their space to me to work out of. So for the first year, I didn't have rent again. And because I have my business kind of split up into different areas, like I don't need a I don't need an in-person space five days a week. I need it maybe two days a week. Um, if that. And so, you know, like I've been, I've tried to keep my, my expenses down so that then when I'm offering the scale, you know, there's a way where it works for me, hopefully, and for other people. And, you know, on my website, yeah, like I found a lot of other practitioners that were doing it. Some, I'm happy to like share some of the names for people too. One of them is um, Warts and Cunning Apothecary. And they had this really beautiful 
like diagram and write up and just like all kinds of information around what a sliding scale is, like why, why to offer it, where to find yourself on it, how to understand it. Um, and Can I you think describe that graphic. Yeah. 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 So it's like three, it's like two or three bottles and it's like, you know, it's showing basically like different fills of the bottle mean that you mm-hmm. have different amounts of wealth or access. And, you know, like when I talk about wealth too, like it's not just the income that we're making, like as, as individuals, it's like generational wealth. There's also like, we can take in privilege into consideration. Um, we can take in, you know, like access to family money. We can take into consideration access to like partner, you know, there's all these ways where like, sometimes I think that might be a thing for people where they, they, they're just like, oh, well, this is exactly how much I'm making. And so this is what I can afford when, you know, actually there's like massive savings accounts or, you know, things that aren't considered in the process, which, you know, is kind of why I wanted to give so much information because I, you know, I think sometimes people, people that buck up against sliding scale often are just like, well, I just, I just want to know how much to pay. And I'm like, I understand, I understand, but like, you know, I think it, it allows like to be in more consideration around the exchange allows us to like dig a little bit more deeply into money too. You know, like money is such a loaded topic and, um, yeah, like a big part that I think is really important is offering so much information. And so Mm -hmm. that means for me, like I had to get really clear on who I was serving, who I wanted to work with, why I was working the way that I was working. Um, and, you know, when I started out to, you know, again, my my scale has kind of changed over the years of the last, I would say, eight years or so. Um, there were things I didn't take into consideration, you know, like the first year or something, I like didn't take into consideration health insurance. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, then I had the, and then I was like, ah, shit. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> And then, you know, like I've also found like really amazing collaborators along the way who like I work out of a space now um, with a woman who's a sliding scale yoga practitioner. And she has this beautiful space at the bottom of her brownstone that she rents out to other practitioners on a sliding scale. So that's like another way that I've kind of like managed to navigate like intense New York City rentals, because, you know, if I was paying you know, sometimes people pay upwards of $2,000 a month for like a full-time rental space. Um, You know, that would, that would have, that would change my rates a bit, I think for sure. And so it's meant like, kind of like hitting the limitations at times and then finding the workarounds where I can still do the work that I want to do in the way that I want to do it and then feel like supported by community too, I think. Yeah. Well, and that's so interesting to you to me because that's something that those of us with set prices confront too, right? Where we, yeah. we forget about health insurance. We forget that we might need to hire somebody someday. We yeah. forget about all of these different things and our pricing is always very evolutionary. And mm-hmm. um, so it's interesting to hear kind of how similar those yeah. experiences are. There's something I want to circle back to um, before I ask actually, to have you talk about what your scale looks like and how it breaks down. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that is this kind of co- almost confrontational element of mm-hmm. uh, the sliding scale. Like you mentioned, well, I, I think when we think about sliding scale, we think about all the money stories of our own that it might yeah. be confronting to like, what if, what if people are trying to take advantage of me? What if I don't make earn enough? What if I can't take care of myself? 
But there's also the element of it being very confronting potentially to the people you're trying to serve too, which is something um, that you kind of, uh, you kind of talked about there as well. And I was wondering if you could say more about that. It seems like this idea of not wanting to ask people to prove Mm -hmm. to you what they're, what they should be paying or what they are paying um, is is a part of that, but also providing the information and the education. So why do you think that sliding scale can be so confronting to people? And what are some of the the ways that you have worked with your clients on that? Mm. With? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a bunch of different things that come up. I think that people who find themselves, um, you know, looking at the bottom of the scale, and that's what makes sense for them, you know, might you know, like feel shame around being at the bottom of the scale, Mm -hmm. even though like that, you know, like I often have people say like, oh, well, if I, you know, when I make more money, I'll, I'll pay you more. And I'm like, listen, the scale, the scale is going to be the scale, you know, like the scale, the scale in, in a perfect world. And and my experience is that it, it does kind of balance out. So, um, you know, but then I have people on the, on the upper end of the scale who might also feel shame about having wealth or having the ability to pay. And I think like what is really beautiful is that those two things actually get to come together and like those two things like support each other. So, you know, like I try to have, um, conversations about that as well. And like, I also do have a program on my website that I, there's um on my website, there's actually like a resource page. So there's some resources there for people. But one of them was that this um, massage center was doing a pay it forward program that I found. And so that essentially is a, is a way for people like when they book sessions with me, they have the option to add, you know, anywhere, I think from like 10 to $50 additionally to their payment. And that goes into this fund that I keep track of. And then when I have people reach out that say, you know, the bottom of the scale is too much, or, you know, a friend is in crisis and needs an immediate session and they can't pay, like, then I have, I I feel supported enough to do that financially. And then like, it just it opens up like more access. And so, you know, like, like people with wealth are actually like, they're like a huge support in my model, because it's not, you know, it, it wouldn't work without them. And the scale, the scale works together. So I think that's part of it. Um, and yeah, you know, like I think in the, in the wellness worlds and like healing worlds, you know, like I kind of came into it, not, not of those worlds. And like, there's so many narratives in those spaces that are, I feel pretty harmful and kind of like spiritual bypassy where like Mm -hmm. we, we really do connect. Um, and I've heard it, you know, I've been told in almost every training I've ever done around a few different practices that my worth is like intrinsic, intrinsically linked to my rates. So if I, if my rates are really high, it means that I value myself and my work. If my rates are lower or not meeting the like industry standard, then I clearly don't. And, you know, like I, that's, I I feel like less angry about that than I, when I first encountered it, but I'm like, (laughs) no, like I actually, like I actually do the, know the value of my work. And like, that's why I want it to be accessible because like the stuff that I'm sharing with people is like, it should be accessible, you know, like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be for the people that can afford it, you know, of course, taking into consideration, like all of the expenses that it costs to have a business, but like, you know, like, what does it mean when we have these, like life changing healing modalities, that, you know, people who already have so much access can access and people who don't can't, you know, 
Yes, and I am going to be <laughs> quoting you now for forever um, because I also have been pushing back against this, um, you know, charging what you're worth bullshit for, yeah. for many, many years, but from a different angle, with a different mm. story, with different experience. And I love, I love where those two things come together. Yeah. And I'm just, I have the biggest star in my notes and I'm Yay. so excited <laughs> that, that you shared about that piece of it too, because I, I do think that's really important. And, and as providers, as creators, I think that's mm. a piece of the uh, the the things we have to confront in our in ourselves and the stories yeah. the narratives that we have to reprogram too. We'll get into the exact details of Jennifer's sliding scale system in just a minute, but first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. In the old days, my business saw huge spikes and big dips in revenue from month to month. If I was launching a program, my revenue numbers would be way up. And after I was done launching, my expenses would spike as I paid out the costs of launching. In between, I'd carefully balance the revenue from the program to cover the business's recurring costs each month and pay myself. And I was not great at this. But a few years ago, I ditched the launch model and started building a business model that was based on predictable recurring revenue. With predictable recurring revenue each month, I know how to invest in our team, our growth, ongoing education, and causes we support. How do we make the switch from the launch model to recurring revenue? We switched to Mighty Networks. The WhatWorks Network is a paid subscription network hosted on the Mighty Networks platform. Mighty Networks has made it easy for us to provide ongoing value, events, conversations, and connections for our members, which makes it possible for them to invest in the community month after month. With a Mighty Network, you can also create predictable recurring revenue for your small business. Support your clients, bring your audience together, share your knowledge, and lead your community, all for a simple monthly or annual fee and build a stable base for your business's revenue. Plus, you can also sell online courses and add to your bottom line. To find out just how a Mighty Network could transform your business, go to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. Money and the New Economy is happening this week, June 10th, 11th, and 12th. Money and the New Economy is a live, interactive online gathering where we can wrestle with tough questions about money in a supportive community environment. We're looking at the assumptions we hold about how money works and the role it plays in our lives. We're looking at how the way we save, spend, earn, and invest money is rapidly changing. And we're looking at how money can be used for justice or not in the ways we do business. We'll talk pricing with Jaquette Timmons, economic justice with Kate Strathman, and personal spending habits with Sarah Von Bargan. We'll go deep and get uncomfortable with Erica Corday, learn about business finance with Susan Bowles, Christina Sholley, and Lauren Caselli, and we talk about getting comfortable with money with Mark Butler and Rita Berry. Finally, we'll close things out by examining our personal relationship with money and business with Nicole Lewis-Kieber. This is not another online summit about charging what you're worth or endlessly raising your rates. It's a thoughtful conversation about how money impacts our lives and businesses and how we can use it as a tool to build the communities we want to live in. Join us for Money and the New Economy. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash money to get your ticket. We do have need-based tickets available for this event. Scroll to the bottom of the page to find out more. 
That's explorewhatworks.com slash money. Um, so can you actually kind of talk us through what your what your rates look like and how that breaks down? Yeah. So I have, um, I'm going to pull it up quick just so I have clear. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I have like, so much where to find it too. I have so much information. I'm just like, my friends are always <laughs> like, maybe that's too much information for people. I'm like, no, they need, we need information. Um, so yeah, you know, like for my scale, um, I, so what I do is that again, like when I started, it was lower and Mm -hmm. I had to change that because of, you know, different, different needs. Um, so my scale for a breathwork session or an herbal consultation goes from 80 to 170. And so then I have that broken down, you know, I have a suggested breakdown according to income. And then I also share some information above around like, why I'm doing the work that I do, like what it supports. And, and, you know, like when, like to use breathwork specifically, the, the breathwork tradition that I'm in, there's a, there's a lot of it in New York city, which is incredible, but, you know, to work one-on-one with somebody, most sessions run 150 to $200 a session, which was wholly inaccessible to me, you know, like to this day, I still haven't done, I mean, I've done one-on-one work, but I found a sliding scale person to work mm-hmm. with. Um, And so, you know, like, I think that I knew that I wanted to both respect, you know, other people's needs around what they need to charge, but also like I wanted other options to exist. Um, And so the scale, you know, the scale goes from 80 to 170 and people, people can choose and find their way within that. And then I also have um, two $40 sessions a month um, for people that are part of like black indigenous POC communities, um, queer and trans communities, low income, disabled communities, you know, again, people that, you know, um, haven't historically found a lot of support in, in maybe more mainstream healing spaces. And so, you know, again, having the pay it forward program helps me also sustain those sessions. Um, and, you know, I, when I do those sessions with people, I offer, if I'm able to, depending on how long the list is, like I try to offer people two sessions at that rate. And then Mm. we can continue to figure out what works for people. Um, And, you know, I think, yeah, there's like, you know, people sometimes I've had experiences where people, you know, pay at one level and there's something in their life changes and they have a new job or they're making more income. And like, they often then book at, at a higher rate. And, you know, like, I think like part of me too, like, I just don't want to be involved in like people's internal process around money, you know, like I think that, and I also don't want to be in a place of like judgment or resentment around it. And so I genuinely just go into like every session being like, I trust that this person picked what worked for them because I also know that like care is like a huge web, you know, like Mm -hmm. people aren't just coming to work with me. And that's the only thing they're doing to take care of themselves. They have like all kinds of expenses that, you know, medications, taking cars, if it's unsafe to be out in the world, or like, childcare, or, you know, there's all these things that are also informing what they are able to afford to work with me. So yeah, I would rather just I just don't. and I also think like the work that we do together there's like an energetic exchange that's happening and like I want people to choose what works for them and like if they if they 
want to choose a lower rate than they can afford, like, I kind of feel like that's on them a little bit, you know, like, it's not for me to really take on. So I try not to, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I've been, so I've, like I said, I've never done sliding scale, but I've done pay what you want um, yeah. for many years. And it, it was at first, it was a really interesting experiment in noticing when I felt judgment, when I didn't mm -hmm. feel judgment, when I was taking on other people's stuff and when I wasn't um, on both sides mm -hmm. of the scale as well. And then it got to the point where in noticing all of those things, I could say, no, I don't have any judgment around people who pay the minimum. Um, mm -hmm. Or like right now, we, we're offering uh, free needs-based tickets to a conference that we're running uh, next yeah. month at, or this month in, in the <laughs> actual, this being published. Um, and it's the same thing. It's like, okay, I just, I, I put the guidelines on the site and I trust that people who are asking mm -hmm. or getting free tickets are the people who need the free tickets and the people mm -hmm. who should be showing up. And it's a really, well, it did take a lot of work. It's been such a great personal process in noticing it, understanding it, kind of working through yeah. it. Um, I want to ask you about sort of your like your bookkeeping or your process around <laughs> understanding your numbers because well and I know that this is maybe a fraught subject and maybe we're heading into dangerous territory here but it sounds like you have a really good understanding of your numbers and where you need to be mm. and what you can offer and where you have flexibility what does your bookkeeping or number reporting processing process look like well, I hope the IRS is not listening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I pay my taxes, but uh, I definitely, I, so, I mean, I, I'm like an organized, um, disorganized business person. I feel like, uh -huh. like, I feel like I keep track of all of the important components. Like I keep track of all my expenses. I keep track of, you know, like I have a big spreadsheet where I, I like note the income from my herbal remedies. I note it from herbal consultations, from breathwork sessions, from breathwork groups. I, I also edited a book and, and wrote a book. So I have like, I had some income that came in from like speaking engagements or mm -hmm. things like that. So like I keep track of all that stuff. And so, you know, I do, I do have a sense of it. And the thing is like, it, it changes from month to month. Like some mm -hmm. months I have like herbs are like a big, a bigger part of my business. Sometimes breath work is, um, and you know, like I do keep track of my expenses and, you know, and I also, again, I try to keep them as low as I can as far as like, you know, working, I think the big thing working in New York city is really the physical space. So, you know, like, there's a benefit because a lot of my, I mean, I would say, let's just say a quarter of my work is also working out of like different healing spaces. So when I do groups, you know, like that's a different, you know, they, they take a usually around half of, of ticket sales from that. And so, you know, that's also like stuff I keep track of. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the larger, the larger thing that's hard for me to manage is just like my own energy, you know, because like, I feel like I like almost every, I mean, everything I do, I love and like, I like doing it. And I also am like a pretty like, I'll just like barrel through, like, I'll just keep going, keep going. And um, that's usually where I come up against limitations is just like my own need for rest that I mm -hmm. like somehow manage to forget I need sometimes. Um, but yeah, as far as expenses and bookkeeping go, like I try to keep it as simple as I can, knowing that like 
it's already pretty complex, if that makes sense. <laughs> it definitely makes sense. And it sounds like you're doing a, a really great job. So I hope you don't beat yourself up about being an organized, disorganized person. I feel fine about it. It's like, it's okay. fine. <laughs> yeah, the other thing that came to mind um, as we're talking here is goal setting. You know, so mm. many business owners set goals around money. Um, you know, you want to hit this revenue level, you want to hit this profitability level, you want to be able to pay yourself X, Y, or Z. How, uh, what role or what part does money play in how you set goals for yourself and your business and the work that you do? Yeah. I mean, I would say that like, I don't have them. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, for the longest time, I was like, I just want to pay my bills. Like, I just want to pay my bills. I want to do work that I love. Um, And, you know, like, I want to say too, like, as I was building up my practice, like I, for the first, you know, I think it was probably only in like, maybe summer of 2017, that I went like more like full time with my work. Like for a long Mm -hmm. time, I was like picking up odd jobs and working doing like social media. And I still, you know, like, that stuff that like I was doing alongside my work or like I also I went to grad school and had to cut back hours. And so, you know, it's been constantly in flux around my time and my energy and also like my income level. And, you know, like I think I actually came from it from the other lens because I was like, you know, I came into this work being like, I have no interest in making six figures. Like I'm working mm-hmm. with people's trauma. I'm working with people's pain and like suffering and to, to capitalize and like, be like excited that I've made a lot of money in that realm feels like it just feels like not okay for me, like in my body. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like I kind of came at it from a, like, I just want to, I just want to cover my costs and like my expenses and my life. And, you know, like I'm in my late thirties and, you know, like I live in New York city. I have no plans of owning anything here. So like, you know, the ideas of like reaching towards like a home or something didn't, they weren't, they haven't really been in my, in my field of vision. Although, you know, getting, getting up there some, sometimes I think about it. Um, But yeah, it's, it's some, you know, I think the big thing lately is like, I've been able to, as I've started to make a bit more money, or at least have like a steadier income, like, Mm -hmm. I've been able to donate a lot more money, which feels Mm -hmm. like actually like one of my big goals, you know, like, how can I redistribute some of the income that I'm making to like, folks who are experiencing, like, especially in this moment, it's like, one of the only joys I would say I've had in the last couple months is just like funneling money out to like, social justice and community based projects and mutual aid projects. And so, you know, like I've been doing a sliding scale breathwork group virtually online for the last few months and like donating 20% to different mutual aid projects. And like, that's kind of where that's kind of where my thinking goes, I think with money. Yeah, I love that. Um, One question that I'm asking everyone that I'm interviewing on this topic or on the the broader topic of money is about where they know where they're consciously leaving money on the table. Is there Mm. anything that you kind of have thought about over time? Like, well, I could do this to make a little bit more. I could try this or I could try Mm. that where you said, no, that doesn't fit with the business that I have, with the values that I have, with what I want to be doing. Yeah. I mean, a lot. I think, you know, like I say, I say no a lot to things. Um, I'm a pretty, you know, like I feel like a a really important part of my business is like remaining in my, in integrity with myself and like Mm -hmm. my, my political views of the world, like 
my working from like a social justice lens. And like, if something, you know, doesn't feel aligned for me, I won't do it. And, um, you know, like that certainly meant that I have lost money for sure. But again, like, I don't like, I, I want to make my money as cleanly if there is such a thing as possible. And so I, I feel like I just try to commit to stuff that works for me and like works for, you know, again, like the communities that I'm serving, you know, like I, I'm very aware that like, not only would I not want to take on something that doesn't align from my values, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't work in the way that I do my work. So that I think is one way. And like, you know, like I've had a lot of people over the years tell me that I should raise my rates. Um, and, you know, like, I think where my rates are at right now are, they're working for me. And like, they also work for most people I work with. And then certainly there are still people that can't afford the rates that I have. So for me, like, I don't see myself going higher unless something like drastically changes in my finances or my, you know, rental space or something like that. So yeah, like, I think, you know, as I've been doing it for a chunk of years now, people keep being like, oh, well, you could now you've been doing it for X amount of years, you could raise your rates. And, and that's something too. like, when I have raised my rates, you know, I think I, it's really important to me that I'm transparent with people about why, because mm-hmm. I, I just want like, again, it's like about building that trust with each other. Like if I if I tell people why I'm doing the thing that I'm doing, then like, they can understand it. They can take it in. They can decide if that works for them. Maybe I am no longer affordable to them. And then I can try and offer other suggestions. But like, at least I have the information and I'm not like, surprise, everything I'm doing now is $50 more, you know, like, I just want people to know what's happening. Yeah, (laughs) as I I know. Yeah. Well, one thing that I find um, when I talk to all sorts of people about money is that becoming a business owner, working for yourself really changes your relationship to money. It changes the way you think about money. And I'm curious how that's evolved for you. As you said, now that you've been doing this for a number of years, what does your personal relationship look like with money and how has it changed? I mean, I think again, to kind of go back to energy, it's like, I'm pretty... I'm pretty familiar with like working on the bare minimum. And so, you know, like, and sometimes that means my own energy. And like, I've noticed that like, the more work that I'm doing in the world, which is, you know, a substantial amount, um, I need, I need more time for myself, you know, like I need to. And so again, like that, you know, that also is information I take into like, when I do have to increase my rates, because like, if I'm burnt out, I'm no good to anybody. And, you know, like uh, there was, I guess probably like two years ago, I was renting a space in Manhattan for a month. And it was like, I was breaking even most days Mm. with the rates that I had at that point and the amount that I was paying for the space. And luckily it was just for a month, but like, I was like, yeah, I can't do that. So, you know, my, you know, like my real, like if in a perfect world, like I would, there would be no money exchanged at all for me. You know, like I would, like, I love like gift economies and trade and like bartering and, you know, like so many communities that are often in the cracks have been finding ways to support each other for forever without money. Um, So, you know, I've had to kind of like, I'm like a reluctant, like, like an anti-capitalist that like lives in capitalism and is just trying to like 
figure it out like so many of us, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is also it's cool when you've shared about like your the ways you've navigated things, because I think that there is a way where like sliding scale can feel like abrasive. And there are so many ways to offer different access points, like whether yeah. it's like offering some free spots to some conferences or a workshop or, you know, one pay what you can day or your whole scale or your whole practice on a scale. So I think it's like finding, finding the ways really to offer it and letting it change. Yeah, I think that's such a a great point. And it kind of brings us back full circle to to where we started to where this is not the only way that your Mm -hmm. business operates. It's not the only way you price your work. It's a significant part of it. Um, But there are so many different ways that you can put this puzzle together so that you can be aligned, you can live your values, your business can share those values. And you can take care of yourself, give yourself the time and the capacity that you need. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Jennifer, what are you excited about today? Oh, what am I excited about? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a tough I'm like, question right now. <laughs> I was like, damn, my mind just went blank. Um, what am I excited about? I've been wearing perfume in my apartment. Oh, I'm just like, I'm just here. Sometimes my girlfriend's here, but like, yeah, I've just been wearing, but that's something I feel like I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear some perfume today for myself, you know? <laughs> I'm like in the small things right now. I'm just like taking my herbs and wearing my perfume. I'm taking my dog on a walk. Like we're just, just getting the small things done over here. (laughs) Fantastic. Jennifer Patterson, thank you so much for this conversation and sharing everything that you have learned about uh, creating your business uh, with a sliding scale. And uh, I just, I know that this is going to be so valuable for people. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for making room for it. It's nice to have a convo about it. Find out more about Jennifer Patterson and Corpus Ritual at corpusritual.com, where you'll also find additional resources and information about pricing on a sliding scale. Now, when it comes to how we set prices in our businesses, we can choose to go with the flow and follow leaders who base self-worth on the price you charge, or we can question the role that price serves in the first place. Pricing on a sliding scale is not right for every business, and it's not the only way you can make your work more accessible or equitable. The first step is to start questioning why you price your products or services the way you do, and then start asking yourself how you could do it differently. Even as a thought experiment, it's a valuable way to undo our default decisions and see things we wouldn't have seen before. Next week, you'll hear from Marie Poulin, who shares how her relationship to money shifted after she finally found the things she could go all in on. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt, and our production assistant is Kristen Runbeck. Find over 280 more conversations about what's working to grow a small business today at explorewhatworks.com.